Hey everyone, welcome back to another recap podcast from SNX Weave, where we give quick weekly recaps of news and important updates from the previous week from the Spartan Council and core contributors, as well as discuss what the Grants Council and ambassadors are up to. Time to take a break from watching the charts and get some much needed synthetics updates, wouldn't you agree? So let's jump right in. We have a new core contributor on our team. He goes by Cavalier in Discord and has experience as a product manager. He will be helping to shape the weekly sync calls from now on and will disseminate the V2X roadmap information from the core contributors to the Spartan Council. Welcome Cavalier. In case you missed it, the Peacock release went out last week. This release included SIP200 which fixed the fee pool reward distribution. This has been an issue for a little while as it was initially reported by a white hat hacker, but it has finally been resolved. During the weekly sync, the Spartan Council had a discussion regarding whether or not SCCP-163 to update Optimism Chainlink Oracles to OCR should be a SIP. JJ said it should remain an SCCP because it only amounted to a configuration change. Caleb agreed, arguing that a SIP would require a meeting and the changes in this proposal don't really require one. Kane countered this saying OCR adds possible risk, so it might be worth presenting and discussing it further as a SIP. Caleb refuted this saying that SCCPs are for variable changes and SIPs are for synthetics contract changes. Everyone agreed with this reasoning. Since this was not a synthetics contract change, there was no reason to make it a SIP. There are several SIPs currently scheduled to go out on the next release, Alsafina. These include SIPs 184, 193, 196, and 199. SIP 184 will implement dynamic exchange fees, which affects both futures and phase two of V2X. The core contributors are working hard to get the code through, hopefully this week. Next, SIP 193, to refactor system settings into a library to reduce contract size, has been approved and is code complete. Then there's SIP 196, which aims to remove the centralized oracle and was voted on last week with all eight council members voting in favor. It is currently an audit. Lastly, SIP 199, to add SolanaSense on Optimism, was also approved last week with 8 votes in favor. As for futures, JJ said the auditors are aiming for mid-February, which would push the release to early March since the team will be at ETH Denver, followed by a global synthetics offsite. Kane, however, said he is hoping for a deployment during the offsite. Red Margler asked for some clarification on the difference between the alpha and beta versions of futures. JJ explained that the alpha will just be something to experiment with, and the beta will be a fully live beta version deployed on mainnet L2. Kane added there's a lot of parameterization that needs to be tested, and that the initial launch will happen with very tight caps while data is being collected and analyzed. Then these restraints can be removed, and the final release will happen. As for phase 2 of V2X, DetShares is a very critical piece of work, as it is a dependency for most of phase 2. The trickiest component of debt shares is how the debt is migrated. However, once it's in, the focus can shift to the debt pool synthesis, liquidation mechanism upgrade, synth teleporters, and debt migration. The debt pool synthesis SIPs, which combine the ETH and Optimism debt pools into a single debt pool, is actually being presented today, so be sure to tune in or catch the recording. Speaking of the liquidation mechanism upgrade, this proposal was actually presented last week. This SIP proposes a modification to the existing liquidation mechanism that is defined in SIP 15 for the purpose of reducing the likelihood of cascading liquidations that might lead to a destabilization of the stability mechanisms. 
This SIP aims to more heavily incentivize stakers to act in the best interest of the system during times of stress. It will also remove forced liquidations at inopportune times and encourage insolvent stakers to explore other options, such as self-liquidating in order to avoid costly penalties. Lastly, for Spartan Council updates, there was some discussion of the recently rejected SIP 197 to bypass SIP presentations in emergency situations if the SIP has unanimous consensus. There was a practical concern raised that this SIP would be unsuitable for meeting its urgency if a council member is out for any reason. Even though this SIP was rejected, V3GM will actually replace the need for it altogether in the next couple of months. Moving on to Grants Council updates, the council members met with the Universe team again to further discuss design elements of the NFTs. They're still trying to nail down timelines, but believe the team is moving in the right direction now. For the tools site, the Grants Council has found an app developer who's building the site and estimates its completion around the beginning of February. The developer will set up a staging environment so that the council could test the content before it goes live. As for the possible hackathon, the council has decided on the type of package they wish to proceed with, and they're now discussing the budget. We should hopefully hear more details about this grant soon as the council irons out all of the features with the team that proposed it. In Ambassador Council updates, the Ambassadors hosted another Spartan City Hall last week, this time with Gearbox Protocol. We got to meet Mikhail, Ivan, and Ilyiz, who went pretty deep into the technical details of Gearbox, so let's summarize some of these details. Mikhail is the founder of Gearbox and explained that the protocol was a finalist at the Market Make ETH Global Hackathon in February of 2021, and they were able to maintain this traction after the hackathon. Millie asked him to elaborate on how the idea for Gearbox came to be, and he explained that the main question they aimed to answer was how to make a leveraged trading platform with pools that would also be compatible with Uniswap, essentially leverage as a service. It started out as just a Uniswap service, but the team quickly discovered that it could be applied to any DeFi protocol. You can actually currently use Gearbox to trade with leverage on Uniswap. Mikhail also explained the idea of credit accounts, breaking Gearbox down into two sides, liquidity providers seeking APY and leverage takers. When leverage takers deposit initial funds to take leverage, credit accounts, which are basically just isolated contracts or wallets, allow the users to control financial orders from this account, but do not give them direct access to the funds while the position is open. And credit account funds can only be used with whitelisted protocols. Fast forward a bit, Spreek asked the guests how they approach the math involved when going from an Oracle price to a derivative of that price. They explained that Chainlink price feeds limit the assets that can be added to the system. So the solution they came up with takes prices per share from Yearn and multiplies it by the Chainlink price. Right now it doesn't require a lot of gas, but that could change if they decide to add more complex LP tokens. Research is ongoing by Gearbox and other protocols to resolve this. Spreek also brought up the fact that many SNX users have been asking if there is a way to access leverage in the system. The guest said there wouldn't really be any additional risk associated with synthetic assets since they mirror the actual price 99.99% of the time. But they would need to do additional research for assets that are not represented as ERC20 tokens to assess the volatility. Millie then brought the conversation to the DAO side of Gearbox, asking our guests what their original vision for the DAO was. They said initially, the DAO was launched as a regulatory concern before the product went live but later they were able to give the community and DAO ownership of the protocol. 
Mikhail expressed that they really want to achieve a truly decentralized organization that will be controlled by the token holders. Lastly, Gunboats chimed in asking if they were planning to deploy on Layer 2. Ivan said there's really no downside or objection to them deploying on L2, but since Gearbox has composability in its nature, this means it relies on other platforms being live on whatever chain it's on. It will also ultimately be up to the DAO to decide. Mikhail added that preparing a protocol to deploy on another chain is an interesting challenge, and you can really identify some inefficiencies doing so. But from just this hour we had with our guests, it sounds like they are most certainly up to the task. We're definitely looking forward to seeing what Gearbox has in store for the future. And that's it for today's updates. Be sure to check out our weekly recap blog post, share this podcast link, and let us know what you think and what you'd like to hear more about from SNX Weave. Thanks for listening.